When I was in the penitentiary, I was out in Terre Haute, Indiana, gladiator school. I got a small team, like three of us from Boston. There's 2,000 people in this place. There's three of us from Boston. So I used to make homebrew. I make four gallons a week, $25. Homebrew. Um, liquor. liquor. Okay. Orange juice, sugar, water, give it a couple hours, ferments, turns into liquor. So I used to make four gallons of fake liquor once a week, and I sell it for $25 a gallon. I make $100. And I stop right there. I keep, I made some good stuff. And dude's like, Dre, you need, I need water. water. Mm-mm. I would not go over $100. Because if I went over $100, I know the wolves that live in this place are going to be like, well, he's making $100. That's just enough to live on. We ain't bothering him. Well, that dude making 800 Oh, he, he, we about to go pay him a visit. Because I didn't have the, the strength to, to hold that down. If they came 20, 30, whatever the deep was, is way deeper than I can get. And I don't have the manpower to fight off whatever's going to come. So I'm going to become a victim of my own success. So I was smart enough to say, I'm stopping at a hundred dollars. Nobody's going to fight. I'm going to fight for my hundred and anybody going to come mess with me for a hundred dollars. But if I'm making 800 a G a week, I'm going to, I'm going to visit. So if I'm in Tulsa, you burn down my town. I had to think, damn, I just watched my friends killed. Everything we've owned for the last hundred years is just gone. And there's no police coming to save us. There's no government coming to save us. So what's going to stop this from happening again if we rebuild it? So I'm going to not wow. build as big. I'm not going to not be as bold. I'm going to try to stay to the cut. And that's a mindset you teach your kids. Don't get too big. Because they're going to notice you. Social Proof Podcast, we're here, man, with a, uh, with a familiar face, Andre Norman. Yesterday, we were having a really, really good conversation about how black people, is it is it black people or is it African American? How should we describe I'm black. ourselves? I mean, the African American thing is based on history of African American, but most of the people in America have never stepped foot in Africa or have no direct connect to Africa because during slavery, the first thing they did was disconnect us from Africa. Name, language, family, disconnected. So the Italian-Americans, Irish-Americans, all these other people that we call South Americans have connections and history to their homeland. We don't, by design, have that. I, so you're saying we don't have a connection to Africa as much as a Latino, well, I guess This is to Italian-American. The Italian people left Italy. They came to America on their own accord and they worked and they had families and they had connections and communication. They knew their aunties. They knew grandma. They knew the neighborhood. They knew where they came from. Yeah. And they could also go back and know where they were going. When we came to America, our history was cut. Our names were cut. Our relationships were cut. Our language was cut. Our culture was cut. Forget about any of the devastation post. We were just cut off. 1,000% from where we came from. So there was no slave second generation could get on the boat, go back to Africa, and know where he was. Mm. So there was no, so the African-American thing. Or even how to, get back, how to get there. If like, you got there. If yeah. you managed to get there. Yeah. If I took you right now to Liberia, where most of us, a lot of us came from, and I dropped you off, you don't know a soul in the country. Facts. But if I took an Italian guy and dropped him in Italy, he can find a cousin. Or somebody that knows a cousin. That's real. And we don't even have our own names to this day. So the Italian guys, the Irish guys, the, the Greek guys, whoever else came, they still have their names. So if they go home, your family name, somebody's going to know it. If I go, ain't no Normans in West Africa. Ain't a whole lot of Shans either. Ain't no Shans in West Africa. <laughs> Ain't no Jones or Johnsons in West Africa. So the African-American thing was something they came oh. up with as a, what are we going to call these people? What are we going to do with these people? Afro-American, we were this. It was better than nigger, I guess. But <laughs> right. the concept of African-American in the context of everybody else who's something American doesn't play the same for us. Got it. It's in theory. Gracious. In theory, technically, it's where we came from. You know, I'm not a, um, 
this hasn't been, it, may, it should be, right? It hasn't been an in-depth study for me in terms of like my heritage and kind of like the systemic racism, systemic, systemic. Because when we land here, by design, we were taught not to want to know our history. Dang, if don't you, be so, don't attack me on my own <laughs> show, bro. Like, God. We were taught, we, I said we, yeah. were taught, we go back to roots. He says, Kunta Kente, chop his foot. No, you coat your Toby. The whole thing, let your name go. Let your history go. That was by design because you can't enslave people who are educated and who have connection because they'll always be thinking about getting back to where they came from. So part of the transition into slavery was to disconnect history, religion, concept, language, family, anything familiar. So now second generation, third generation slave, this is all you know. There's nobody speaking to your native tongue. There's nobody talking to you about back home. They're only talking about this. So I'm like kind of like a fourth generation slave. For sure. My father, my grandfather, my grandfather was born in 1905. Slavery ended technically in 1865. So my grandfather's dad, my great-grandfather, was most likely a slave because he was born in Virginia. So my great-grandfather would have been a slave. And my grandfather was born 30 years post-slavery ending. But we still got to do the Jim Crow and all the civil, all that stuff. But his father, my grandfather's father, would have been a slave. My grandfather's parents and uncles and aunts would have all been slaves. So he was raised by slaves. That man raised, I'm saying, my, my, that man who raised my grandfather raised my, raised my dad. So my dad's grandfather was a slave. So we're not going like 10,000 years back. My grandfather was born in 1905, which means his parents would have been born not, not far behind that. So he grew up post-slave era. How does that, how does the slave mindset travel through generations? It travels through understanding how the times were. So during slavery, you could not assault a white person. You could not talk bad to a white person. You couldn't buck up. You couldn't get tough with a white person because they just take you out back and kill you. Or they do whatever they wanted to. And there was no laws to protect you. Actually, laws said they had the right to do that. So you understood as a black person, your life was predicated on getting along with this group of people and having them like you. Hmm. If they decided they did not like you, you did not live. So that's a real thing to wake up in one of If these white folks get mad at me, I'm dead. And they can just go buy another one for $13. They can just go buy another slave for $13 or whatever the price is. So I wake up every day walking on eggshells that this man or this woman or this person doesn't get mad at me to the point where they want to kill me. Because it's happened numerous times throughout this 300 years of incarceration slash slavery. It's just been a constant thing between breaking slaves, killing slaves, lynching slaves, all that happens on a daily. So if you're growing up in a mindset of I can be killed at any time, I've witnessed people in my family killed for no reason. I've witnessed brutality daily. I've watched women, they had breeding farms. So to make, when, when the ship stopped bringing slaves, at some point the ship stopped coming. They started making them here. How do you make slaves? You breed people. They would breed us to make more babies. So when the, when the ship thing started becoming too costly or too timely, like, man, I got 400 slaves on this. Man, I can just have them make babies. So they'd pick women and put them to the side, and they would make have them make They would literally breed them. So this is what you're growing up seeing. I'm not even going to go into the, the rape and molestation of slave owners over slaves. That's a whole other thing. This, this guy walking in the house, your mother, your father, your, the guy walks in the house, drags his mother in the room, has sex with him, walks out. What does that do to the mindset of the father, of the husband? That this man can have sex with his wife at any time. What was the movie about the butler? Mm-hmm. How did that start? It started out like The dude way, yeah. came down, knocked this rape mom, and the son said to dad, yo, dad, what's up? Yeah. He, uh, 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 bow. What are you talking about? You talking to me? You're, you're property. You are literally property. I just got a dog two weeks ago. If I decide I want to go get another dog because I like the color, I just 
throw them in the street, get them away. Mm. We were property. People have a hard time conceiving the fact we were legally property. We weren't people. We weren't constant. We were property. When Dred Scott sued for his freedom in St. Louis, the Supreme Court said, no, you're still a slave. And then they wrote an act that no black people has the right to come to the federal courthouse seeking relief because you're not people. Wow. So when you grow up in a time where it's just, this is the way it is. This is just the way it is. And you, you have to adjust to that if you want to stay alive. Yeah. In this podcasting business, there are some things that you just can't do on this platform and expect to stay positive. If you go into some tirade stuff or whatever the thing is, they will sh- is people will come for you. Yeah, for <laughs> people sure. will come for you. It's different now than it was then. Now it's more ethical and integral than it was just personal choice. Yeah, but there's still there's still um, uh, teachings that no matter how far removed, there's still like remnants of it. Like you know the story of the uh, you know mom, why do you take off the legs and stuff like that of a, of a turkey, right? Where they say, well, my mom did it. And they asked their mom, well, my mom did it. And then the reason that, you know, your great grandmother did it was because the oven was too small. Right. Right. You just, that's why we took the legs off and just baked the. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
press, right? But it just passed down. We don't know why. You just do it. You just do it. So, I mean, some of that mindset, we probably still have slave mindset. They were saying back in the um, kind of the 90s. And I don't know if I agree with it like that, but the trophy was for a black man to get successful and marry a white woman. Because for decades, if not centuries, it was forbidden. So you want the thing you can't have. So I'm not going to say it's true or not true, but it's just a given. Most people want the thing they can't have. They want to explore the place they can't go. That's why people run up on top of mountains, because you're not supposed to. You can't <laughs> do it, so I'm going to do it. Triathlons, why are we running 10,000 miles, swimming 10,000 miles, biking 10,000 Because they say we can't do it. People want to do what they're told they can't do. It, it's like a self-satisfaction thing. So there's some who just say, they just fall in love with who they fall in love with, and there's some... I want this because you said I couldn't have it. Yeah. So I wanted to be successful because people said I couldn't be. But what's right. the difference? The prison guards used to tell me, you ain't never going to be nothing. They used to look at me like I was nothing. They used to laugh because, ha you think you're the boss, but we run you. Now I fly in private jets and I fly over them. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I make more than any prison guard in America. And, and part of my motivation was their attitudes towards me. Not all of them, but enough of them. And them telling you you can't have it. Telling me I can't have it. Makes me want it. You can't do it, Dave. You can't hit a million streams a month. Going for it. Now you hit a million, what you want to do now? Now you want to hit two million. They, they, you know, that's gonna, that's too, too deep for you, Dave. You can't do two million. When I was in prison and I decided I wanted to turn my life around and come home, I came out the next day. I told my team, yo, I figured it out. I'm going home, going to Harvard. They're like, what you talking about? Is it nigga, what? I said, I'm going home, going to Harvard. They're like, nah, Andre, that's, you can't. And they told me all the reasons I couldn't. Then I was like, dude, I'm talking about going home and never coming back. They're like, you talking crazy. Mm. Now, I could have came out my cell and said to my team, yo, man, this dude owes us some money. We riding on him. They the road. Yo, we got beef with this other ethnic group or this other team or whatever. They the road. Strapped up, let's ride. Man, one of them guys is disrespectful. We're about to bring them to business. They the road. I said, let's go home and never come back. They all said no. Mm. They said, we can go to the creek, but we can't go up that hill. <laughs> Man, what you talking about? You want to never come back? Why are you talking about never coming back, Trey? This is what we're supposed to be. Are you Hold on. So you tell people, okay, I'm going home and I'm never coming back. And there are some people inside that they Couldn't truly believe it. that even if you go home, you have to come back. They, just, they can't see themselves outside the context of what they've been placed in. You're a prisoner, whether it's of a penitentiary, of a neighborhood, of a mindset, of a lifestyle. You are a prisoner. You can't transcend this. Talking white is talking proper. You know what I'm saying? It's talking with intellect. So, oh, he's talking white. You crossing, you, you acting too white. You, you dressing white. Whatever the thing is, I said, let's go home and never come back here. Harriet Tubman said to some people, including her sister, let's leave and never come back here. What her sister say? What are you talking about? What, you, not, what do you mean? I, Harriet Tubman's <laughs> sister told her, like, mm, we all ain't meant to run. Yeah. That's she said, Harriet, we all ain't meant to run. And she stayed. Mm. She had been conditioned to feel okay with what was oppression. Oppression became normal. Abnormal becomes normal. Yeah. So watching your mom get beat, for time, it becomes normal. Watching people in the street hustling, it becomes normal. Watching people die. Come on. 500 plus people have died in Chicago this year. It's normal. Yeah. It was becoming normalized now was mass shootings. It was like, oh my God, Sandy Hook, that's crazy. This school, that's crazy. Or oh, not at the mall, not at Walmart, not at the movies. Now it's like, you see a mass shooting, you don't even blink. You just pull out your phone. It's, it's become it's normal. One. Yeah, Abnormal has become normal. Mm. And in slavery times, they burnt down Tulsa. We all know Black Wall Street. Let's take it from the standpoint of you live there. Yeah. They burned down your city. They killed some of your folks for no good reason other than black folks being successful. If you're a black entrepreneur and you live in Black Wall Street in Tulsa, do you build that back up again? Ideally, you would think, all right, I built it once. I'm going to build it again. Not can you. Can you is yes. Will you? The punishment for building it the first time 
It was all burnt down and your people were killed. So do you want to be that successful to draw that type of heat again? All right, listen, every single week, every episode, you hear me talking about the morningmeetup.com. It's the community. Let me show you what's happening here. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, there's 400 plus people on a Zoom call, right? We're learning, we're talking, we're growing together, and this is you. There's all these people here. It's all these people in the morning meetup. Hundreds of people reading books, growing. We get together quarterly. It's amazing. And for some reason, you just keep looking at, just go to themorningmeetup.com and get in the circle. And then you'll be like way happier. Just themorningmeetup.com. Let's get back to the episode. Ooh. You learn to stay in your place because you understand this power is bigger than you. When I was in the penitentiary, I was out in Terre Haute, Indiana, gladiator school. I got a small team. There's like three of us from Boston. There's 2,000 people in this place. There's three of us from Boston. So I used to make homebrew. I make four gallons a week, $25. Homebrew. Um, liquor. liquor. Okay. Orange juice, sugar, water, give it a couple hours, ferments, turns into liquor. So I used to make four gallons of fake liquor once a week, and I sell it for $25 a gallon. I make $100. And I stopped right there. I keep, I made some good stuff and dudes like, Dre, you need, I need water. Mm -mm. I would not go over a hundred dollars because if I went over a hundred dollars, I know the wolves that live in this place are going to be like, well, he's making a hundred dollars. That's just enough to live on. We ain't bothering him. Or that dude making 800. Oh, he, he, we about to go pay him a visit because I didn't have the, the strength to, to hold that down. If they came 20, 30, whatever the deep was is way deeper than I can get. And I don't have the manpower to fight off whatever's going to come. So I'm going to become a victim of my own success. So I was smart enough to say, I'm stopping at a hundred dollars. Nobody's going to fight. I'm going to fight for my hundred and anybody going to come mess with me for a hundred dollars. But if I'm making 800 a G a week, I'm going to, I'm going to visit. So if I'm in Tulsa, you burn down my town. I had to think, damn, I just watched my friends killed. Everything we've owned for the last hundred years is just gone. And there's no police coming to save us. There's no government coming to save us. So what's going to stop this from happening again if we rebuild it? So I'm going to not wow. build as big. I'm not going to not be as bold. I'm going to try to stay to the cut. And that's a mindset you teach your kids. Don't get too big. Because they're going to notice you. They're going to see you. And then they're going to come do something to you. I called my father from prison, told him I want to go to Harvard University. He said, that's crazy talk. I said, what he said? He said, that's crazy talk. Stop talking like that. They're going to hear you. <laughs> they're going to hear you. <laughs> That's what are you talking about? This is me, dad. He's like, no, no, they're going to hear you. My father grew up in Virginia in the 40s. This is before JFK. This is before MLK. This is before Malcolm X. This is before all that. When you was just black in the South and you caught a bad one. Mm. That's just the way it was. If my father was walking to church on Sunday with his best suit on and some white folks stopped him and told him carry boxes, boy, you better carry them boxes. Mm. or there's punishment. You don't. So he has that mindset of he couldn't stand in the square of his town and announce to the city. He was going to go to Harvard university. They'd have hung up for me in the uppity. Mm. So when I decide I want to go, he only knows the life that he's had. What he grew up through. So in his mind, that's bad. Yeah. I don't know my father at 15. I know my father at 25, 35, whatever age he was when he had me, when I became old enough to know who he was. Who are you at 15? Were you this confident? Were you this secure? Were you this, this paid or this established? No. Dave at 15 is a totally different kid. Yeah. You're in Jersey trying to find your way. And all the fears that you had from there are still with you. In some regard, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. then you're going to pass them to your kids. Uh, so this is how a slavery mindset is passed down. Cause you imagine somebody that's a slave and then maybe they're free. Maybe they're older and they're free by the time their child is old enough to be called free. That slave still has some advice for that child that's free yeah. on how to move. And then that child takes that information to their child who's clearly free in but some you, respect. You're being taught by the people before you. So you see successful people. How did George W. Bush become president? Where did he get the idea from? His dad. All day long. 
is how you become. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bet. So we're expecting great things from Barack's kids because the role model set for them. Yeah. Are you expecting greatness from your kids? Of course. Why? I, I'm, I'm teaching them. So what if you weren't teaching them? Or what if I was just teaching a different song? But teaching is teaching. Yeah. So they don't have to have this level of success or this type of success, yeah. but you're putting effort and energy, you're telling them there's no boundaries. Yeah. But some, I was some, taught there was boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Somebody was taught their boundaries. That's just, I'm going to teach you a different song. And then that child can see Like if I, I'm, I'm starting to understand just through this conversation and just having different conversations with you, um, why the environment is so important and how people get stuck. And it's really not 100% someone's fault for having a negative thought process or um, becoming poor or becoming an angry person. Staying poor. Staying poor. How about this? Today, today, 2022, December 2022, they had elections about a couple weeks ago. And on the ballot was an amendment to eradicate the 13th Amendment that said slavery is still possible if you're convicted of a crime. Five states voted to say, should we take this off our books? The 13th Amendment says slavery is over except for if you are convicted of a crime and sentenced, then slavery can be instituted. And when they did that at the end of slavery, that gave them laws that created the black codes to lock us back up, put us right back on the same plantations. Fast forward to not 1865, 2022, five states within the last couple of weeks voted on should they eradicate that from their state constitution. Four states voted yes. Louisiana voted no. We want to keep that clause in our state constitution that if you're locked up, we can make you work without pay. Mm, yo, you know, I That's right now. Even, I never even thought about that as... I've heard of it. Uh, you know, we, we hear people talk, but I've never. It just finally hit me that is slavery at its highest level. Like, let's say, for instance, if Damn. you are a slave on the street, you know, how, like you see the, the the people like doing some work. That is slavery, and if they try to run, you get shot. Or if you try to buck up, you get shot. Dave, the Constitution of the United States, the Thirteenth Amendment says. Slavery is no longer legal. You can no longer enslave a person, make them work with no pay. Story, story, story. Except for, there's an except for, if a said person is convicted of a crime and sentenced, that person can be put into slavery. He can be made, he or she can be made to work as a slave. Clear. It's been like that since 1865. That was the amendment. Mm. And the deal was the Southern states you just have to jaywalking, loitering, whatever the thing is. They give you any case, then they put you right back in jail, and they put you right back on a plantation, make you work for free again. Oh, my gosh. We all love Lincoln because history says. Lincoln has said a thousand times, I only care about keeping the union together. I ain't concerned with slaves. 
Slavery was a thing that divided the North from the South. That was like the, the big thing. Um, there were people in the North who weren't for it. There was people in the South who weren't for it. But the baseline, Lincoln said, my big thing is keeping the Union together. Slavery secondary. And that says give, that was a reason the South was like, we can do our own thing, is because we have slaves. So they need to shut the slaves down or slave-free to stop the South from becoming strong enough to, you know what I'm saying, to break free inside its own countries. So it was never about us. Yeah. And you can go get any Lincoln speech on YouTube, and he'll say it a hundred times. It's not about the slave. It's about keeping the United States together. Gotcha. So so walk me through the effects of um, us black people as, um, as we are going after these goals and these dreams and wanting to be successful. What do you see? Because you're 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 the only person that I know that is truly on both sides. I mean, I, I I like you are around a very very wealthy group of individuals who don't look like us, but you're also around a bunch of successful individuals that do look like us, and you're around a bunch of people who in the street don't have they, anything. So, they have oh, they so, got some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they got some. But so I hang out with. Extremely rich, wealthy, we call it white folks. I hang out with extremely wealthy. I just got um, the richest black man in America as a client. Mm. Literally. Just signed the deal last week. So, yes. Who is and, it? You know Robert Smith. Yeah. This one. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't going to put him on blast. But <laughs> him, so I just started working with his um, his foundation and his team. This, um, I am a new consultant for them. So it's like, it's a pleasure to work for him. To me, I'm privileged to like, yo. I almost do it for free mm-hmm. just to just to pay homage to he made it that far and he's he's blazing the trail and he's trying to make it the stuff he's doing. I mean, makes me want to work for free. He's trying to make sure every black student in a HBCU goes away debt free. He's trying to make cities better. So it's like a cause. It's not a campaign. So helping him to me, it makes me go to sleep. Well, well at night. Listen, if I was going to teach you how to make a million dollars, would you give me ten thousand? Like if I had a course teach you how to make a million dollars and you're positive, you're going to make a million dollars, would you give me 10000 Of course you would. It's no-brainer, right? So in a calendar year, we make seven figures with the podcast. But there's 21 things that I extracted from that that you're going to need to launch a podcast. But I only got time to give you three right now. One is you need a distribution platform. The distribution platform is what you upload your podcast to. That platform sends it to Spotify, Apple, Google Play, so that your supporters can actually listen to your podcast. You're also going to need a microphone. You need a really good microphone so it's crispy audio. And three, you need an income strategy. This is not necessarily a hobby, unless you're going to make it a hobby. But I can teach you how I made the seven figures with these 21 things. Now, the good news is you don't have to give me 10,000. My ebook is only 37 bucks, okay? So listen, go to podcastebook.com and get the 21 things that you need. And I I can explain it in detail, all the things that you need, okay? Podcastebook.com. Let's get to the episode. But um, I work with wealthy, wealthy, the wealthiest black people, the wealthiest white people, and regular, I mean, rich, rich black folks. You rich right now. Yeah. (laughs) You rich. (laughs) And then I work with folks who are still in the street. And people are in prison. You work with kids. You work with everybody. Kids, I was, I was at, um, I went to Curacao last week. Mm-hmm. I had 250 people fly from Amsterdam, Holland, to Curacao to hear me speak. I gave a speech. At the end of my speech, it was like 10 local people. Sister stood up, said, we need you here on the island. And we need you to speak to the people on the island. She picked up the phone, called the prime minister of the country, and he asked me to stay. So I stayed for another week. Went to prison for seven days. Went to like 15 schools. This was out in the community just being helpful. To have a prime minister of a country mm. ask you to stay and lend your services to make people better. It's, to me, it's like it's an honor. Mm. And this is the crazy part. I know there's black people in Curacao. Mm. Then I came to understand a little bit deeper. Curacao is a Spanish. No, it sounds Spanish. It's a black island. It's a Dutch island. Dutch is black. Dutch is Netherlands. Amsterdam. Certain subjects I'm good at, bro. So what happened is during (laughs) slavery, most slave ships didn't come from from Africa to America. They hit the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So the Dutch slave people would take them to Curacao. The British slave people take them to their place. The Spanish people, anybody who had slaves had islands throughout the Caribbean. 
And that's what they used to bring their slaves to. Then they would sell them to America, sell them to South America. We weren't the only ones that came here. A lot of people went throughout the Caribbean and down South and South America. So everybody would bring them over, hit their island, and then sell from there. Curacao was the Dutch. British had Bahamas and Jamaica. And everybody had their little island. At the time of the Civil War, Florida wasn't even a state. Mm. Florida was just like still owned by the Spanish. Oh, wow. So if you go look at the, the states and what when it became a state, Florida was not a state during the Civil War. Got it. Okay. So all these islands, most of them were black inhabited. Jamaica, Bahamas, Bermuda, Barbados, St. Lucia, St. Martin, St. Croix, St. Thomas, Curacao, Trinidad, all black islands. There's a few Spanish ones in there, but most of them are black islands Got it. or black people. Got it. I didn't know all of them, but I, I've yeah. since studied. So walk me through some of the effects that you see, especially uh, just kind of just being well-rounded, traveling the world. Um, what are you seeing that some of the residual effects of the uh, like slavery era that affects us as a people today as it pertains to entrepreneurship and elevation? Manipulation of the people in power. And the people in power aren't just white folks. It could be you. It could be me. It could be anybody in power. If you understand somebody's weaknesses, you use it against them. It's that simple. It's emotional manipulation and mental manipulation. If I know you are scared or nervous of, then I'm going to use that against you. I'm saying, and I can sway people left or right. When Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman in Africa, George showed up with an attack dog. He thought it was just his pet. The people saw it as an attack dog, and Muhammad learned that the people see. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th.
in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal german shepherds as police dogs and they used he used that to turn the people of africa against george form mm. he has a police dog to what are you talking about? We, I grew up with a German Shepherd. But I didn't go to Africa with it. Right. So <laughs> Muhammad Ali, one of our greatest heroes, used the mental mindset of the people who were tormented by police dogs against George Foreman wow. to turn the people against him for that fight, to get political, I mean, to get favor. So people in power understand weak-minded people. So if I want to sell you something, if I want to get you to do something for less, I'm going to use that against you. So work, Andre is a big brand. So you should be, I don't have to pay you your worth because you're working for me. Mm-hmm. You get people want to come in here and work for you. I'll work for less. I'll just do an internship. And if you let them do that, you're taking advantage of your celebrity yeah. and they're not having. So are we paying people a real wage? Yeah. Are we using our, our celebrity slash power to work against this man trying to come up out of the mud? He's trying to come out the mud and I, I, I can afford to pay you but I'm not gonna because you don't have the leverage to ask for it. Right. And you don't have as many options. So black slaves, when they got free, had no options. So when a, when a new sharecropper, no longer slave owner, said, I'm going to pay you two cents a day versus three cents a day. What options he got? Mm-hmm. So are we doing a variation? What was done to our forefathers when they came out of slavery, not giving people a fair wage just because we can get away with it. Yeah. And so many people I hear are proud of paying people less, proud of making people intern. They think it's a come up. Man, listen, you're devastating us. Okay, you save two, three thousand dollars a week. But are you really needing that two, three thousand? Is it gonna make a difference in this man or woman's life? Yeah. So what I see is people taking advantage of those who are still in the mud, those who are still coming out of mental oppression, those who are still living in, in poverty. Mm-hmm. They're trying to work their way up. And those of us who are in power, are we empowering them? Now, I'm not going to pay someone if they can't do the job. Yeah. But if you can do the job, you should get paid. I agree. A fair wage. For sure. For sure. So um, so we're using mental manipulation almost like a... Um, I guess the slave owners would appoint some of our own people over some of the slaves. So that, like we was in a field together, right? Yeah. But now I have some sort of higher status and I'm using... That against the person yeah. I was just working with? Of course. Anything else? Um, Emmett Till. I just saw the movie. All right, we all know the story. Boy from Chicago. Living in a free city. Mm-hmm. How about Go for it. Sorry. Emmett Till. Lived in a free city of Chicago. He went to Mississippi. And it didn't work out well. Because he didn't understand the law of the land in Mississippi. Right. And it's the same thing now. It's like he went down and everybody down. And the craziest part about that movie was black people helped beat him to death. Mm. If the movie was accurate, and I can't say they had black people who helped in that process of beating Emmett Till. Mm. Never told in public. We don't mention that part, but it was. Yeah. I'm saying it's like if that part is accurate, that's mental manipulation. I better do what these people say because I got no options. And I got to stay here with these people after y'all leave. Yeah. I think as a, as a people too, we have a fear of kind of falling, like, especially if you reach some sort of level of success, we have a fear of falling back to where we were. So, um, or kind of, kind of like how the, um, the, the bus boycott, you know, with Rosa, Rosa Parks, yes. all black people did, wasn't with that. No. <laughs> they wasn't with it. They was like, yo, uh Do you know I her house her house where she lived in Alabama is like a it's it's a, um they they sectioned it off. It's like a monument now. Mm-hmm. I went to Alabama and I went actually went and I went to the roads. It was like a housing development mm-hmm. and her house where she actually lived is encased. Right. It's like it's like a museum now. But um if you go to the slavery museum, I mean the the lynching museum in Montgomery, it will change your mind. It will your thinking has to be impacted. 
when slavery ends and it's white black. Mm-hmm. So the white folks, okay, you, you're free because the government said so. Not because I want to let you go. The government said so. <laughs> and I'm free, not because you want to let me go, because the government said so. Mm-hmm. And I've been taught my entire life that I don't matter and that you're right. I've taught myself that I'm right and you don't matter. So let's go to the next generation. What do you think I'm teaching my kid? Those black people don't count. They're less than. What is, what is the black folks teaching their father? Watch out for the white folks. Know your place. Don't get caught up. And this is generations. Until the advent or the interjection of the third demographic, Asians, Latinos, um, whatever the third demographic is, the law said we were free. The law said we could. But when white folks are down there at that corner, we weren't messing with them. Mm. So when the Asians come in and the law says that they can build houses and they can own businesses and they can do this stuff, we stood back and we watched. And the Asians were like, going to do their thing. Like, what you doing? What you doing? You better know. Yeah, what's something wrong with your shoulder, bro? <laughs> what's the matter? And they would go open the business. Right. And that's why throughout black communities in America, I'm just going to be nice and say two thirds of the businesses are owned by different people other than us because they aren't scared of going against the established system. Right. So what you're saying is like Asians come over. They don't experience the fear of the, they don't have the history. They don't have the embedded history embedded in them. For the fear. For sure. And their parents haven't taught them that, hey, don't start no business over there. They're going to burn you down. So the, the Chinese come on. This I learned this from Dre yesterday. He was like, Chinese come over and say, yo, why? What do y'all, why y'all, we're just going to build that. Like, it's no, there's, there's no apprehension. It's just, we just going to build it. If it's for sale, we'll just buy it and we'll just build it. If you have a history and lineage of your people being tormented, killed, tortured, murdered, segregated, then you can, you can think twice before you just jump out and do something. This is still a predominantly white country. So at the end of the day, it's like, man, I'm not going against it. I'm going to play it safe. That's what our parents were taught and their parents taught them play it safe when dealing with the establishment because the establishment can kill you. Trey, we're going to have another version of this conversation, man. I just wanted to sit down and chop it up. I think we need to just chop it up on a regular, man. We, we got to do the mindsets of the people in America based on the migrations post-slavery. So everybody from Louisiana who just voted to keep slavery intact, mm-hmm. 2022, a lot of those folks migrated west. You go to California, you meet a lot of people from California whose families from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And you get people from... Uh, Mississippi and um, who went to Detroit people from here who went there. So you can, then it goes back to, this is real. The state that you lived in as a slave wasn't all equal. So if you was a slave in Louisiana, it was different than being a slave in Tennessee, slave in Virginia. It never snowed in Alabama. That means you work 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There was no field shut down. If you worked, if you was a slave in Virginia, you shut down for like three, four months because it was snow on the ground. You had to do some other stuff, which wasn't as labor intensive. And then when slavery ends, people in Texas for two years post emancipation didn't know because they so far removed from the North. The whole thing came from the North. So if you're in Virginia, you're in Delaware, you're saying you're in those sections, you're going to interact with free people and people who believe in freedom a lot more than somebody in Texas. Yeah. Because you're just at the end of the road. (laughs) So, All right. it's, so it's like understanding yeah. the mindsets of the people who held you, yeah. the culture of the people, because it was French, there was Spanish, there was British. There was all these different mindsets. The treatment of the slaves were different by region. So slave owners treated people differently in different sections. Everybody was on the Willie Lynch status, even though it was one of the big things. How did they torture their slaves in Louisiana versus Tennessee versus Virginia versus South and North Carolina? That plays a part. The type of torture you went through deals with the type of social construct that you have and mindset you have going forward. Right. Trauma right. is real. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do it. Listen, th- comment below if uh, if you want to continue this conversation um, because we got to figure out the deep-rooted cause of uh, some of the things we do. And it's affecting our success and our lineage and our our, our, our legacy. So, Dre, we, we, we got we to wrap. Last thing. Yes, sir. People think I'm a speaker. I'm a therapist. That's a fact. When I get on stage, I don't speak. I do therapy because my goal is to heal people, not yeah. just inspire you. Yeah. So when I go on stage, I understand when I'm in a certain part of the country, certain part of the world, the traumas that those people suffered throughout history and how to help them heal from those past traumas and past wounds so they can be better people. 
I love it. Find, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, man, and how they can get you to uh, come do therapy on stage. <laughs> therapy on stage. No, I mean, you know, I'm saying, you brought me to the line. I came to Atlanta. You are my guy. Yes, sir. I'm saying, so no matter where I go, you go. Nope. I'm saying, that's it. I'm like, yo, I'm in the room, you in the room. Gotcha. I'm saying, and it's, I go out of my way to try to build bridges with no expectation. For sure. That's a Because fact. so many of us have been in situations where there's been so much grimy stuff happening. And yeah. so you have the distrust and distrust is real. So it's my job to, they can say, well, I did good business with Dre. I might've did bad business with these five people, but I did, but it was a good thing with Dre. Yeah. And that's my thing. That's my currency to our people that just set the example that you can just be helpful with no expectation and no back and just help people and keep moving. That's a fact. If it comes back, it comes back. If it don't, it comes back to somebody else. That's a fact. How did they get in touch with you, man? Instagram, you put me on IG. <laughs> you told me I wasn't late. I, I, listen, You're lit now. I'm, I had a video go 9 million. I had 9 million views and a million comments. Am I late yet? You're way later than me. <laughs> I ain't never had that before. Man, so, you, but you put me on game. God, what is your Instagram? At Andre Norman. At Andre Norman. Listen, man, we got to wrap. So we're going we gonna to bring him back, y'all. Put it in the comments. Make sure you follow him. Uh, Dre, appreciate you, my brother. Anytime. This all came from a conversation yesterday. I was like, oh. We need this. So make sure you follow Andre Norman, man. We will be back with another installment, I promise you. We out. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.